Are you my who's my special reader today? Do we have somebody? Who oh, the actor. Ah. So in this Advent season we have lit the candle of hope. Next. Faith. Last week, joy. And this week, peace. And because it's unique, it's Christmas as well. We've got the Christ candle. Today, with a word about peace, is Graydon. This is written for someone just a little bit older than me. So if you can just like imagine a few wrinkles, it might work a bit better. So good morning, church, and Merry Christmas. Advent is over. The waiting and preparation has stopped. What a wonderful day when we meet on Sunday, not only to worship our Lord, but to celebrate the wonder of his birth. In Hebrew, we would greet each other by saying, Shalom. Shalom, we understand, means peace. That is the theme of this week's Advent message, the peace of the Lord. In English, we most often define peace as the absence of conflict. And truthfully, that sounds pretty spectacular. No conflict in our homes, our country, our lives, our churches. Peace. Hmm. Back in my day, as the saying goes, peace was a hot topic. When I was in high school and college, America was involved in a major conflict thousands of miles away in a place called Vietnam. Every night, you turned on the TV and were bombarded by pictures of soldiers being killed, bombs being dropped, troops logging through the jungles and swamps in their fatigues with guns slung over their shoulders. Many of those soldiers were young men who were just months before had been in your classroom or even in your youth group. At home, people protested the war, often in very unpeaceful ways. It was definitely not a time of peace. My generation famously invented the peace sign, which has actually caused a lot less peace than you might imagine. But the true definition of the word shalom isn't just about conflict resolution. The actual definition means wholeness, completeness, or restore. It is much more than just being in a time with no war. In the Old Testament, the word shalom is found more than 200 times. God's people longed for shalom, but never seemed to find it on their own. Finally, God sent this message from the prophet Isaiah to the people. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom. And the peace came in the form of a newborn baby, and to us he proclaimed, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. God sent us shalom. God sent us peace. He sent us wholeness and restoration and completeness, things we cannot do on our own. So enjoy this day of celebration with those you love. Eat, exchange gifts, sing songs, visit with your family. But remember, in the midst of the chaos, to thank God for the peace that only he can give. Shalom. I'm up. Okay, I don't have to give a message. Gray just did it. And the, and the Christmas carols did it. So the King's kids are leaving? Yes. Don't go. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Jenny and I are so glad to be here today. And thank you, Craig, for the opportunity. And pray the Bruins have a nice little vacation. He's here on vacation. Uh, aren't you glad God never takes a vacation from us? And he's great in his faithfulness. And so grace and peace to you. I love the, uh, the classic Christmas carols. So thank you for those, those great Christmas carols. I love the classic scriptures of Christmas and just being together and enjoying uh, Christ together, and I get to talk about peace today, which uh, I'm glad I get to talk about peace, and I pray that uh, for you, no matter what's going on. And let me just start off by saying I know for some of you, uh, life is going great, and so praise God, I'm glad that life is going great for you, and, and for some of you, life is hard, so we just, we want to be honest and say, Lord, uh, in the midst of this, would you give me some peace? Um, Jesus has compassion for you. He God loves hurting people, so some of you are missing some loved ones, so, so may God comfort you. He's the God of comfort and the Father of all mercy, and that's one of the reasons it's important to be a part of a church family, to love each other, lean on each other, pray for each other, and so 
I hope it's okay with you if I'll always kind of consider this church family and home and being here 22 and a half years. And so I'm so glad Craig's your shepherd now. And most of all, Jesus is a wonderful shepherd, and he's here to shepherd everybody. And so may he shepherd us through today and the days ahead. And I'm so glad that God's on the throne. He has good plans in store for all of us. And one of the uh, pictures of salvation that I like is salvation is like a gift. And and you just have to keep unwrapping the gift of salvation the rest of our lives, appreciating more and more of who Jesus is, what he accomplished in his earthly life, his ministry, uh, his work on the cross. And now he's praying for us. And so aren't you glad Jesus is on the throne? He's praying for every one of us right now. And he has a word for us. And so I, I love the classic Christmas text. And so Gray's already read it, but we're going to look at Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Unpack it just a little bit as we get started. And... Uh, I'm a definition guy, and so I like the fact that he brought out the shalom. And I like the way that sounds. So say shalom to the person next to you. Say shalom. Shalom. Sounds good. And so in Israel, they still do that. When they greet each other, they would say shalom. And when they would depart from each other, they would say shalom. So now you know some Hebrew. So it makes you feel intelligent, doesn't it, to, to know some Hebrew. Shalom. Shalom. Uh, I got to tell you a quick funny story. When I was in Israel, I was with a group of pastors. We're down in the old town in Jerusalem, and one of the one of the pastors he wanted to find a scroll. So he, we turn a corner, and this guy turns a corner, and he's he's got the traditional black suit on, the white shirt. He's got the curly hair. He's got the hat, and he looks legit. And so my friend says, "Can you tell us where the where the scroll shop is?" And he goes, "I don't know. I'm from Brooklyn." So, I mean, you know, we're all, you know, visiting. I just thought it was kind of hilarious. He didn't know. I don't know. Where's the scroll shop? And so, anyway, anyway. Well, as we get started, um, names are important. Uh, names in the Bible are, uh, are meaningful. Uh, they mean something. Now, Kevin in Celtic is handsome, so I like that. That works for me. But anyway, in biblical times, names uh, had uh uh, significance, eternal significance. No, now I love Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. I, I like that picture uh, at Christmas time. You know, being together. I'm glad that we can be w- together with some family. We miss some family, but it's important to start off by understanding that 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 God is with us, and to never forget that that He's Emmanuel, God with us, and, and He's for us. And in the New Covenant, God promises He'll never stop doing us good. Now, what other people do and how they treat us, not so good. But I want you to always remember throughout the Bible, it talks about the fact that God is with us, he's for us, he's always doing us good, and he makes promises that he keeps. And that's why we're going to talk about peace promises, because you need to, uh, I want to strongly encourage you to build your life on the strong promises of God. Because other people will let you down, the government will let you down, your job will let you down. Somebody's going to let you down, but God will never let you down. Jesus is the yes to all the promises of God. So as we get started, just say, God, I want to hear from you. I want to experience you. I do want to live um, a life built on your promises. I, I, want to, I want to be strong. I want to be secure in you. I want to be confident in you. And so Great uh, gave us that definition of shalom. It is wholeness, it's completeness, it, it's order. When, when you give your life to Jesus and he becomes the Lord of your life, he brings order into your life. We live in a world full of disorder. I mean, we see disorder all around us. Uh, in, in the physical realm, when you've got these 10 systems and whenever you get sick, you have a dis-ease. The body's not at ease. Things are not ordered. Things are not working the way they should. I'm going to give you one more definition. Tim Keller uh, talks about peace. He said, peace is confidence and trust in God's wise and good control of your life. I'm going to read that again. Peace is confidence and trust in God's wise and good control of your life. So we live in this age of anxiety and and uh, fear is pretty much ruling the day. And so as I, I just turned 60 in the Christian experience, I'm still learning and growing, but I've, I've come to a place where I've got to put my confidence in God and his word. That's the only place I'm going to experience any security because 
Things are going to go crazier. The Bible talks about the end times. So we have to have confidence and trust in God. And we only trust him to the point that we know him. So that's the, the, the challenge for the rest of our lives. Grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus. The rest of your life, build confidence in God. The more confidence you have in him, the more you'll trust him, and the less anxiety, the less fear, and that goes out the back door when Jesus comes in the front door. You just take over, rule in our home, rule in our hearts, and in everything. So let me read Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 again, and, uh, and I just want to point out a couple of things in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. So Isaiah is a prophet um, during a very dark time in history, and uh, people talk about the golden age. There's never really been a golden age. The golden age is when we get to heaven. Finally, God will make everything right. Uh, but it's a dark time in history. Jesus comes at just the right time in history, Galatians tells us. So we don't have to, we don't have to fear or worry about when's Jesus coming back. He came the first time at just the right time in history. When's he coming back? At just the right time in history. So God's in charge of the calendar and the timetable of everything. So we don't have to worry about the details. We just want to be ready. We just want to be ready and help some other people get ready. Um, so let's talk about Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 just for a minute. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judge, judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So at the end of verse 7, what he's saying there is this. From this time forward, forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So you, you can write it down. Whatever God says, it's done. It's going to be accomplished. He guarantees his promises. He guarantees his word. He's totally committed to his word. He's totally committed to you. He's totally committed to his church. And at the beginning of this, we see this beautiful grace language. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That is, that is gift language. That is grace language. That is the language of a follower of Jesus. One of my mottos, I'm a motto guy, so I've got a few of them. But one of my mottos in life that I try to live by is this. Everything in life is a gift. Everything, you know, we deserve hell and we get heaven. We, we deserve to be racked by our guilt and shame, but we re receive forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, so God keeps giving and giving and giving. And so he's given to us a son, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Uh, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So we don't put all of our trust and hopes here. His kingdom's not of this world. We're here for such a short time. We're like a vapor. We're here and we're gone. And so we want to use this time wisely. And, and so we have these royal titles. Uh, he's called a wonderful, a, a wonder of a counselor, mighty God. That means he has all power and all authority, everlasting father, the perfect father who reparents every one of us and the prince of peace. And, and it's interesting in verse 7 how it talks about the increase of his government peace, that, that work of wholeness is, is unending. And that's hard for me with my finite brain to wrap around this infinite God, this unending peace and unending grace and mercy uh, throughout eternity. And, and his throne is unique in the middle of verse 7 because his throne is a throne of judgment, justice, righteousness, which, which our hearts long for. Don't we, we long for righteousness, for things to be done right and people to treat us right. We want justice. One writer said it this way, we live in a time where people want the peace, they want the things to be done right, we want justice, and we want all, all these things. We want everything that Jesus offers in the kingdom, we just don't want the king. And that's why it's not going to work. You, you don't get the justice, you don't get the righteousness, you don't get the peace, you don't get the wisdom without Jesus. So you can't do an end run around Jesus. And so we want to trust in him and know him and let him just rule and and get us kind of settled, and get us secure, and take a deep breath. Another definition and a picture of salvation that I like is just to rest in Jesus. Anybody here today just need to rest in Jesus? Give over some worries and some anxieties. I just need to rest in Jesus. Just need to rest in Jesus. Let him take care of us. He's gentle and lowly. He's a humble Savior. He says, yoke up with him. Learn how to live. Learn to rest in Jesus. Learn to rest in Jesus. Um, 
American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow lost a son in the Civil War, and the Civil War was just terrible. I mean, throughout history, I read a book one time that talked about, I think throughout history there's been less than 10% of history where there haven't been significant wars. So there's really not been a, you know, we want peace, and but we just haven't had a bunch of it because people like to fight and people like to argue, and it happens in nations. But anyway... Longfellow lost his son in the Civil War, and out of that experience, he wrote Christmas Bells in 1862 on Christmas Day. Here's what a grieving father wrote. He wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to to men. That could be written today. Hate is strong. I think that that breaks the heart of God that there's so much hatred and, and, it, ha- and it happens in the world, but it also happens in churches and Christians. and fa- May God help us to, to lay aside whatever gets in the way of our uh, enjoying peace. May God help us to give our bad experiences. We've all been mistreated. We've all been betrayed. Give all of our bad experiences. God, experience his real peace. So that's the first part. We'll look at the rest of the poem later on. Turn with me to John 14, 27. Let's look at Jesus for a minute. Then we'll look at some Christmas experiences from uh, 2,000 years ago. But let's start in John chapter 14. And these verses have been a tremendous comfort to me in the ups and downs of life. And as I go in, now I'm a hospice chaplain, and I, I get the privilege of helping people to get ready for a good death. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but God has grace for us in every stage of life and everything that we go through. And, and Jesus is getting his disciples ready uh, because he's about to go to the cross. And he knows exactly what they need, and he knows exactly what you need right now. Right now. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, Would you allow my peace to sink down in? It's not a temporary peace. It's not an external peace. It's an internal peace. Let not your heart be troubled. Aren't you glad that Jesus looks at you and says, I know all about you, and I love you, and I've got a better way to live. I've got a better way to live. I've got some peace for you. I, got, I have exactly what you need. And then turn over to John 16, 33. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Emmanuel, in me, in this relationship. As we focus on him and make him the center of our lives. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the original language, what it says is, in the world you have trouble. How many of you would say that's true? That's reality. Jesus defines reality for us. Here's how to deal with it. Uh, In this world you have trouble. He's very honest, so we can be honest with him. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. One of my favorite designations for a follower of Christ is that we're overcomers through the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that picture. We're overcomers. Uh, Jesus' life is now our life. His resurrection life is our resurrection life. His resurrection power is now our resurrection power. I have overcome the world. So now we can have confidence in what Christ has accomplished in his saving life and work on the cross. Now, Think just for a minute, can you, can you think of your favorite Christmas gift that you've ever received? Can you think of a favorite? Do you have a favorite in there anywhere? Something that brought you great joy? Something that you, that this, maybe it surprised you? The best gifts are, are gifts that uh, meet a need, but also the best gifts are very personal where somebody thought of you, they listened to you, go, I heard you, and I got just what you wanted. When I was a kid, my dad loved sports, so therefore I love sports. And, and I got the whole football uniform for the Colts. I mean, I had the pants, I had the shoulder pads, the jersey, the helmet. I mean, I don't remember how old I was, but I felt like, man, this is cool. I could play for the Colts. I have no talent. But anyway, I felt pretty special. And, and here's what I want you to know. 
God wants every one of you to know that, that you're special. That he loves you with an everlasting love. He has good plans in store. He wants you to experience his life, his peace. In, in Paul's letters, he starts out with grace and peace to you because he knows that's what the church in Colossae needed, Ephesus, the church here, grace. Every one of you, you need grace and peace. And really, that's Jesus. May you experience the reality of Jesus. He has grace for you, he has peace for you. And then at the end of the letters, it's interesting, he always wraps up and saying in a lot of different ways pretty much the same thing. First, he starts the letter with grace and peace to you, and then he ends up the letter with saying grace and peace be with you, or in different ways, kind of that same idea. May Jesus go with you. So one of the paradigm shifts for me is I grew up thinking, okay, I, I would hear at church, okay, you're supposed to go to church, you're supposed to serve God, you're supposed to give an offering, you're supposed to do all this stuff. And it's a paradigm shift for me to think, now I'm doing all of life with Jesus. Emmanuel, God, he's with you. Fear not, I'm with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm doing all of life with Jesus. I'm serving with Jesus. He's going to help me to teach or preach or disciple somebody. Or give an, he's going to help you give an offering. He's going to help you go to work and raise kids and go through troubles. He's going to do it. So we're doing all of life with. So, so chew on that. I'm doing all of life with Jesus. I'm doing all of life with Jesus. I'm not, I'm not, I used to have kind of an employee mindset because I have a performance mindset. When I'm doing great, I feel great. Not doing great, I feel terrible. So I had a kind of an employee, but now Jesus calls you friend. Yoke up with you, doing all of life with Jesus. Never alone, never alone. Let's look at the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 and just look at a couple of examples of some folks who are waiting on God, waiting on God. They knew the prophecies. They knew the promise. They're waiting, waiting, waiting. And how many of you are like me that I am terrible at waiting? Anybody else here terrible at waiting? Kind of a, it's probably going to be a lifelong struggle waiting, waiting on God, waiting on God to answer prayers, waiting on God. Don't, never give up praying, never give up believing. God always fulfills his word, and so they're waiting, waiting, waiting. And I won't read all of this, but in Luke chapter 1, 67 through 79, Zacharias, he's the father of John the Baptist, and he's been waiting. And, uh, and I want to read just a couple of examples here. One of them is, um, he's talking about uh, the fact that God keeps his word, verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. One picture of God you need to have in your mind at all times is this. God speaks his word. His word is always true and faithful. And God remembers his covenant. He remembers his word. He remembers his promises. We, uh, we forget things. God never forgets anything. He always keeps his word. And, and now verse 79 is kind of the key verse I want to look at. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. Um, the picture throughout the Bible is this, that there, there are people living in darkness and therefore they do dark things and we suffer from that. But Jesus came as the light of the world and, and, and light always defeats darkness. So some of you are afraid of the future, you're worried, you don't have to worry about the future. Light always defeats darkness. So we want to walk in the light, walk in the light with, with Jesus, walk in the light with each other. And he came to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the, the Christian life is a life I'm walking with Jesus. I'm on the way with Jesus. Wherever Jesus leads, that's where I'm, I'm on this path. And so discipleship doesn't mean now you've arrived and you're perfect. What it means is you're on a good path. And God allows U-turns. If you're headed the wrong way, you can repent and turn and go the right direction. And today's a great day to go the right direction and, and to lay down our pride. To, I've, I've been on trips before, and I've always been this type A. I've got to get there in a hurry. And I'll be honest with you, I've headed the wrong direction sometimes, and I didn't really want to admit it. Anybody like me, it's hard sometimes to admit I'm wrong, made a bad decision. May God help us to be very humble learners and repent and head the right direction as quickly as possible. Let's look at uh, chapter 2. We won't read all the verses. These are the angels who appeared to the shepherds out in the field. And uh, verse 14 of chapter 2 of Luke says this, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So we've got the, these angels are praising God. They're saying, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So who, who experiences this peace, this goodwill, this favor? It's people who trust in Jesus. It's available, uh, but not everybody trusts in Jesus. May, the, may his peace settle in, his favor. Well, we're, blessed with, we're blessed with every blessing in Christ. I like that picture in Ephesians. We're blessed with every blessing. We experience His grace upon grace. And maybe you need to hear once again today that His grace is greater than all your sin. His grace is greater than all your sin. He gives grace upon grace. And then look over at chapter 2. Simeon is an old man now. And he's been waiting for the Messiah. He's been waiting faithfully. Waiting faithfully. That uh, Psalm really sticks out in my mind where it says, wait upon the Lord and do nothing. Is that what that, that verse in the Psalm says? Wait upon the Lord and do nothing. No, it says, wait upon the Lord and do good. So whatever you're waiting on, the rest of your life, just keep doing good. Just do all the good you can to all the people you can. Even while you're waiting, even though you're not sure about what, what am I supposed to do next, do the next right thing. Whatever that is, just do the next right thing. And so he's waiting, waiting, waiting. And Finally, he gets to see the child Jesus in verse 27. And they, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So we've got two obedient parents. What's the best way to be a parent? Obey God. Just do what God says. And uh, to do for him according to the custom of the law, verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. That, that is shalom at death. That is a good way to go. I've been faithful to God. God's kept his word. Now I get to die in peace. I, I've seen both. And there's a marked difference between the person who trusts in God, been faithful, and the person who has not trusted in God, not been faithful, tons of regrets. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He always keeps his word according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So now Simeon can die in peace. And so can you if you trust in Jesus. Romans 5 makes it clear the only way to, be, to have peace with a holy, righteous God is to trust in Jesus and say, I lay down all my weapons, all my arguments, all my sin, all my righteousness, everything. I trust in you, Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. And you'll never regret it. So let's talk about peace plans. I've got um, a disposition towards planning. Anybody like me, you like to write out plans or put it on your phone? I, I'm a planner. I like to plan things. Uh, probably need some spontaneity every once in a while. But, but uh, I, I'm big on planning. If you want to have peace, you have to ask, what's my peace plan? How's, how's that going to happen? Uh, the life of a disciple is not an accidental life. If you want to be financially free, it's not going to happen accidentally. If you're, you're going to have good relationships, they don't happen accidentally. They happen with a plan. And it always starts with being filled with the Spirit and the Word. And, and, and peace is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit. Let me start out by saying this, that you're not going to experience peace on your own. With your, your abilities, your knowledge, it's going to be supernatural. It's going to be a work of the Holy Spirit and and. May he do it in all of us. So we, we want to grow in peace. So let's start. So when I think about discipleship, I always think about the head, the mind, the thought life. And then it settles down, changes the heart, loves, and, and then it works its way out into relationships. So let's follow that order just for a couple minutes. So I'm, I'm not going to give you all the promises. Um, if any of you remember George McCamey, who was a deacon here, he talked about, you know, if you have a snow day or cold or don't lay the whole load on one cow. So, you know, anyway, so I'm going to be careful with time, and, and uh, we're going to go home and have a great time. So let's start with our thought life. Dallas Willard says change starts in the mind, and I agree with him. If you don't think the truth, then you're not going to be free. The Bible tells us only the truth will set you free. Every other lie will put you in some kind of bondage, even this intelligent-sounding bondage. So Isaiah 26.3 has been a big help to me, and it might be one that you want to memorize. Uh, may God captivate our thoughts. And 
We think great thoughts of God and, and of each other. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So that perfect, that complete peace, as we keep our minds focused on Jesus, we keep focused, keep focused, keep focused. Um, my youth director in Oregon came out of the business world, and he was a little bit of a motivational speaker, which I probably needed. I needed a kick in the rear to memorize scripture and go out and serve and stuff. But anyway, he talked about uh, a stinking thinking and the hardening of the arteries. Have you ever heard that before? Anyway, leave that. I'll leave that there, thud. Anyway, but, but change starts in the thought life as we think great thoughts of God, and we, and we think the best of each other, and we bring out the best in each other. This peace comes to those who keep their minds focused on God, who is the truth. Now, don't miss the important uh, trust element. At the end of that verse, it says, because he trusts in you. And then verse 4, the follow-up is, trust in the Lord forever. So, that, so right now, let's just be honest. Your trusting in God is, is under threat because Satan wants to rob that. He wants to rob you of the scripture, rob you of the good things God wants to do in your life. And Dallas Willard went on to say, all the good things that God wants to do in your life, you're going you're to receive them, you're going to enjoy them as you trust in God. So once again, you've heard it before, I'm going to say it again. The Christian life, it starts with trusting in Jesus, and every day thereafter, you just keep trusting in God for more and more, for all the good things He wants to do. So as we think the truth, as we trust in Him, that, that leads to a greater confidence, but also gives us a peace. And then it settles down into the heart. Turn with me over to Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3, verse 15. So we want his peace to settle down. Trust, his love to settle down into our hearts and then change our relationships. Colossians 3, 15. This is that key section on sanctification. How can we become like Jesus? That's our prayer. That's our goal. I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be more like you. Colossians 3, 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. So when you think about this peace, you, you have to allow the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. Your, your life is made up of choices, and every choice has a consequence. And so I've told people before, you can choose what, how, whatever you want to think, whatever you do, but you can't choose the consequences. So may we choose wisely. So as we allow Christ to just rule in our hearts, the picture there is, is an umpire. And, and an umpire tells you, that's right, that's wrong, here's a flag. Uh, some of my worst experiences in life when I, are when I tried to be a, a basketball referee. Has anybody ever tried to be an umpire, referee, sports? Anybody ever tried any of that? My recommendation, don't. You know, it'll just, they'll, they'll, people will crush you. Uh, here's what I've learned from Colossians 3, as it talks about setting your mind on things above and not on the things that are, it, 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 let's just agree together and let's pray for each other that we will let God just rule in our hearts, his word will rule, it, that he will call the shots and we will give him free reign to say, uh, yes, great job, you're headed the right direction, good choice. But we'll also let him say, you're headed the wrong direction. Those thoughts aren't wor worthy of a child of God. Those thoughts aren't worthy of a child of the king. And so we have to arrest our thoughts and take them captive to obey Christ. Say, I, I want more peace. I wish I could tell you I had perfect peace. All, I'm still a work in progress, and so are you. And God has grace for you as we're a work in progress. But let's just agree together. Lord God, I pray that you would rule in my heart. You would rule in my desires. You would rule in my affections. And that means sometimes we do things that we don't always feel. How many of you feel like doing the right thing all the time? Let me see your hand because I want to hang out with you. Anybody just feel like doing the right thing all the time? And you're just, you're just amazing. So one of the ways that we have to pray for our hearts is this. God, give me an undivided heart. Purify my heart. We live in a, in a feelings culture where what happens if you just do what you feel like all the time? How many of you pay your taxes if you felt like paying your taxes? How many of you like, you, you love paying taxes? Not me, not this guy. We can't let feelings run the day. 
Dallas Willard helps me with this. He said, feelings are a wonderful gift from God, joy and peace and love. Uh, but then there are some feelings that are a terrible master, like anger and resentment. And, and there's a long list uh, that we don't want to rule, but we want God's word to rule in our hearts. But notice also in verse 15, he says, in which you were called into one body. And if you underline, I circled that in my Bible because I'm constantly reminded how much we need the church and we need each other. We're called into this one body where Christ is ahead and we need each other. And then don't miss at the end of that verse where he says, and be thankful. Um, one theologian said it this way, that the, the number one mark of a spiritually mature believer is a person who has a thankful heart. They just choose to be thankful, and especially when life is hard. I've always been in awe of people that life gets hard, and you're around them, and you're like, man, they're the most thankful, gracious. That's a work of God, because everything else says, hey, don't be thankful, don't be, don't be grateful. But because we have Jesus, and let me remind you what I said a while ago, we're blessed with everything in Christ. Colossians 3 earlier says, Christ is all. He's everything. If anything replaces Christ, then you become unhappy and ungrateful. But notice how it flows into relationships. So let's talk about that for a minute because that's where the rubber hits the road. And I would submit to you that in this cultural hour, this is a great chance for the church to shine, to be grateful, to be peacemakers, to do good work. This is, this is our chance because light, the world's getting darker. The light shines brighter in the uh, in the darkness. So Matthew 5, 9, Jesus is teaching that Sermon on the Mount. Here's how to live in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, it's, it's a kingdom of faith and hope and love and joy and peace and, and contentment and gratitude. And in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, blessed are the peace fakers, right? Blessed are the peace makers. For they shall be called what? Tell me the rest. For they shall be called family. That, that's family language. So what does it look like to be a part of the family of God or peacemakers? So quick observation. Um, now in some circles you're a Christian, you're following Jesus, we're supposed to be nice and everybody get along and we're supposed to overlook and not talk about hard things. I would submit to you being a child of God, following Jesus, being filled with the Spirit means that we speak the truth in love and sometimes we say some hard things but we say it in love. Because we, if you love somebody, you tell them the truth. If you don't love somebody, you don't tell them the truth. If you love somebody, you tell them the truth. But the way you do it's all important. Speak the truth in love. Give some love. Give some encouragement, some affirmation. Don't just take out the sledgehammer and hit somebody upside the head. Um, show them some love. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So I'm here to tell you from experience, some people don't want peace. Some people don't want to work together. Some people don't want to, want to get along. If it is possible. So do, did that happen in Paul's experience? There were some people who couldn't work with that didn't want to work together. Yes, that, happened in, that happens in churches. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So let me remind you, God's part, promise keeper, faithful, good, wise, strong, your part, may you choose wisdom, walk in the fear of the Lord, live under the word of God, under the banner of love. And then here's the hard part. How other people respond, that's between them and God. I love what Bob Goff said, and I still struggle with him. Bob Goff, in his book Love Does, says this, I used to want to fix people, but now I want to love them. Now, I'll be honest, my name's Kevin. I'm still a recovering fixer, and Jenny doesn't like when I try to fix her. And she's amazing. We're called to love God and love each other. If you spend your whole life trying to fix people, you're probably going to have a circle of one. Uh, but that doesn't mean you never speak the truth in love. But you have to discern what's God up to. When, when is the right time? That's probably the hardest thing. When, when is it the right time to say the right thing and to say it in the right way? That's hard. It takes the Holy Spirit to help us say the right thing the right time and the right way with the right motivation for the right goal. Well, let's finish up. Let's pray for each other that we will be people of peace, that the peace of Christ will just rule in our thoughts and our hearts and relationships. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a beautiful witness to the world? 
These people loving each other, these people forgiving each other, these people helping each other, these people deciding uh, when, it, when is it time to overlook a difference and a fault, and when is it time to say, I'm worried about your soul, worried about your, the direction you're going. Well, may God's peace rule in every one of us. This is a, uh, this is a Jesus-centered church. May his peace rule in us. Let me go back to the end of Christmas bells. So in the midst of, of Longfellow's pain, in the midst of his despair and loss, here's how he wraps up. Then peals the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Read your Bible with, with eyes of faith, recognizing that God's faithful. He, he's in control. He has a plan. God's going to work out the details. God is not dead. He never slumbers nor sleeps. So you can sleep. So any of you struggling with sleep, here's, here's the way we have to deal with our cares and our problems. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. May you experience his care for you, his peace, his love, his concern for you. Let me give you a little gospel bomb from the end of Romans chapter 16, that whole book about the righteousness of God and the holiness of God. Here's how he ends up. Now may the God of peace, the God of peace, he's going to soon crush Satan under your feet. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has good plans. He has peace. So I hope you'll grab one of these promises. If you've never studied peace, that you'll study it. The Bible has a whole lot to say about peace. Uh, wonderful word study. So take a promise. Meditate on it. Talk to somebody about it. Share. And uh, whatever God lays on your heart, just do it by faith. Maybe you need to call somebody day and say I love you. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. I don't know. But whatever's in the way of your peace, God has good plans in store for you. He wants you to experience his peace. He wants his peace to rule in our homes and our churches. And wherever we go, we should go in and the temperature should change in the room. You, you bring in Jesus. And man, things are just changing in the workplace, changes in your school. We go in and things change. We make a difference as we carry peace with us everywhere. The last promise I have is Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill every one of you with joy and peace as you believe in him, as you really trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. Overflow with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow with peace. Wouldn't it be cool if we're overflowing with hope and joy and peace and it's flowing onto our family and our friends and our neighbors? It's just overflowing and it's, and it's contagious. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the God of peace. And, and you sent your son. You gave your very best, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God for us. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for your perfect, obedient life that you fulfilled the law in our place. Thank you for your, your record of righteousness now being our record of righteousness. Now, thank you that we're clothed in your righteousness. We're clothed in your peace. Help us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your peace. Help us to grow in peace. Help us to do hard things, no matter what that might be. Help us to be forgivers like you. Help us to be givers like you. Help us to, to think the truth that sets us free. We pray for your peace to rule in our thought lives. Help us to think great thoughts of you, and then help us to really think great thoughts of each other. Help us to bring out the best in each other and bless each other. We bless you, Lord. I pray that your peace would rule in our hearts. And I pray for people with wounded hearts that you would bring healing and wholeness and restoration. May you heal, heal our wounds, heal broken hearts. Help us to, to make new memories today and the days ahead. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you're coming back and you're coming back for your bride. Help us to be ready. I pray that if there's somebody here today that they do not know you, they don't have confidence that they're going to heaven when they die. I pray that today would be the day of salvation where they say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and save me. I want, I want to know you. I want to experience your peace. Lord Jesus, set the captives free. Please bring healing and restoration. Help us to be children of light. Lord, help us to bless you and bless each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. He's looking right at you. He's with you. He's for you. May you experience his grace and peace and go spread that grace and peace. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. We have got, uh, we're going to show a video. That carol, um, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Um, for those of you who are watching online or at home, we can't play that, so uh, we're going to mute it. Uh, but for those who are here, it's, if you want to look it up later too, it's um, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. You guys ready? It, it was there, and now it's gone. We may have lost it. So before we sing, we're going to watch them sing. Uh, it's good. Oh, it's trying. Oh, unmute it. Do you hear? 
Well, the older you get, the more you come to realize uh, the world is pushing more and more hate, more and more despair. The longer you live, the more darkness is going to push into your life. And this season is a reminder that you need to fight for joy. You need to push it back. Not in your own power, not in your own strength. It's only through the hope that comes through Jesus. And that's what we're going to sing as we lead. Joy to the world. The Lord has come, and He's not only come once, He's coming again. You think His first coming was rejoiceful and full of hope? and Wait till He comes again. Stand with me. Let's sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Merry Christmas. God bless you. You're dismissed.